0: Welcome to Ultiverse OQ, your guide to the ultimate universe. Now in podcast form. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And you know what I'm going to do today? What, Luke? I'm going to go and finally see X-Men Dark Phoenix. I'm sorry, Luke. You know, I've heard a lot of very different opinions on it, so I want to get my opinion. So I can have an opinion, too. Yeah. I did not have fun with the movie. Even though it has your Magneto boyfriend in it? Of course, but he was barely in it. But uh, that, that was the big
1: thing. It was just like, at the end of the day, the movies are usually saved between the chemistry between James McAvoy and Fassbender.
0: Which is just such a weird, weird take for an X-Men franchise and also Mystique who is both persons beard. Yes.
1: Well no, not really fast, but or not um Mac voice really.
0: Yeah.
1: They're well, both supposed to relationship more.
0: Yeah, if you don't subscribe to the oh, this is going to turn into the Patrick Stewart X-Men. Yeah. Which, they fucked with time enough that that won't happen. Oh, 100%. But, uh, do you know what we are here to talk about today, Devin? We're also here to talk about movies. And also the Fantastic Four. And also the Fantastic Four. I did not remember, uh, some important things about Ultimate Fantastic Four, like how Brian Michael Bendis wrote most of this initial arc.
1: Yeah, I forgot about that too.
0: Yeah, because everyone, I feel, is like, oh yeah, no, it's uh, Marks until he stops writing it for a while, and then Alice gets a run, and... Yeah, it's weird. Uh, But yeah. today we were talking about Ultimate Fantastic Four, number 1 through 6, and then Ultimate Spider-Man, numbers 54 through 59. I enjoyed the Spider-Man one more. Oh yeah, I, I think we'll definitely be touching on that when we get there but uh first is ultimate fantastic four numbers one through six written by brian michael bendis and mark millar with pencils by adam kubert inks by danny mickey and john dell with colors by dave stewart and letters by chris Eliopoulos. and it's really interesting seeing how this fits together considering like what bendis had previously established about the fantastic four Mm mm-hmm Like, I had wanted to have a bit more time this week to, like, look into interviews with what he was doing and, like, that whole setup. Did you get
1: anything, Luke?
0: Not really. Uh, Apparently, Grant Morrison was involved with doing some conceptualizing for it at a point. Oh. But then he got the exclusivity contract with DC. Hitch apparently designed their costumes. And just flipping through Wikipedia that's interesting yeah yeah oh well, apparently they just had a lot of trouble scheduling together times to write because bendis was in portland and millar was in scotland
1: also as much as i enjoy millar's books that man does not know how to publish a fucking book on time Mm-hmm. when we hit this second volume of ultimates we could all learn about the like eight month between the first issue and last issue coming out Oh sorry, right, the second to last
0: issue and the last issue coming up. Well, I mean last time we also remarked on Ultimate Adventures and how long that took to come out. True. Yeah, but that's but that's not a that's let's be real, it's not a real book, Luke. That was a <laughs> no, book that,
1: that that was a book no one cared about unlike Ultimate, which was like a flat book. Yeah.
0: Or like Kick Ass Two. <laughs> yeah. And Kick Ass Three and hit girl
1: especially kickass Two, where somewhere I have an apology letter from Marvel that is written in the back of one of the issues or mm. civil war for that matter actually
0: yeah I mean there there's a weird point reapproaching a lot of these where I I feel like reading them without that time context makes it a very different situation Oh agreed. But then also I feel like Marvel had started to include like time for uh, issues to be late because there is a lot of like tie-in issues for War of the Realms that came when like the fourth issue of six came out. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, like the uh, Captain Marvel one or the Iron Man tie-ins, which weren't like single issues or mini arcs but it was just like oh yeah this is where we're going to spend two issues
1: that's because now they realize that they need to do that so they don't have another fiasco like secret wars was where everything is fine but the series hasn't ended yet
0: well and there's also i guess this was a story that very much happened in different segments and so it was a bit more acceptable for that to happen So it is really weird that I think there's still one more issue of the Punisher miniseries where it's still the Punisher is leading a bunch of convicts uh, through the Brooklyn tunnel after the initial invasion. It's like, uh, we've already seen what else has happened to the Punisher here, guys. Has War of the Realms ended yet now? No, uh, I believe there's one more big issue and then, you know, some fallout conclusion. Okay. Because I have a couple of the miniseries, but I haven't read them yet. Uh I've been reading all of War of the Realms and all the times that have that branding on it. Okay.
1: I was going to say it started seeping into my Captain Marvel comic. Yeah, which,
0: that was a pretty good two-part. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm.
1: And then I haven't read it yet, but I have the
0: Spider-Man ones, which everyone said was really good. Oh, uh, the League of the Realms? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun, um... Like, it's definitely something that's rewarding if you've been reading everything. Um, yeah, the Captain Marvel stuff is really great because it's a body swap story between Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange. Yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm.
1: And then I have the Agents of Atlas I, trilogy.
0: I don't know how I feel about the Agents of Atlas series because I feel like there's too many characters in it. It's like very loaded with Like, here's all these people who you might know if you've read these, like, Greg Pox series, but otherwise, uh, here's, like, six characters you don't know, and then, like, here's six new ones that we've never had before, except Uh, uh, in the video games.
1: Well, I was going to say, and that's one of the issues, too, with uh, even the other characters they picked on the rosters, like, most of them are pretty B-lister, or I should say even probably lower on the rank list.
0: Yeah, though I was having a discussion about it this week and it's like, it really seems like Marvel is trying to position a team of Asian characters together to appeal to the foreign markets because, I mean, the Asian movie market is really big Mm -hmm. and I also think on a level they might not have enough of a long-term understanding of the Asian community and the divisions they're in because, I mean, there's a lot of Asian cultural group racism against other asian cultural groups and so i don't know how that's actually going to work out or yeah that's that's going to be weird truth yeah i I, i wonder what level of context they're going in or if this is an accidental akira yoshida where it's like oh i'm a fan of all of these cultures i have eaten at many of their restaurants but, like, they lack the, oh, yeah, the uh, the Koreans and the Vietnamese don't really get along, and nobody really likes the Chinese, and the Japanese are kind of uh, very, very hating of a lot of... Yeah, it's... Oh, there's a lot th- of history there. Oh,
1: I know. My what? Filipino roommate, Lorenzo, has explained.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, my brother, who has lived in both Vietnam and South Korea... Has also explained that. But, I mean, it's good to get that diversity. It's just going to be interesting to see how, if they're designing this team to appeal to an Asian market, if it will appeal to them or not. Yeah. Because, I mean, it is also still buck wild. And it's like, oh, uh, well, we know China and Japan have their own superhero teams, but we don't really pay a lot of attention to the other countries. But now Greg Pak is going into doing that, which... I mean, we'll see how it goes. But and anyways... it's nice
1: to see my girl Cindy in another book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: After they horribly canceled her main series.
0: Uh, anyways, though, uh, 21 years before the current Ultimate Universe time, Reed Richards was born as a incredibly smart baby. He got picked on in school, but luckily his friend, Ben Grimm, who I... They call him the linebacker. And they make a big thing, but is it like, is he the middle school linebacker here, or... What? Because Reed Richards' dad is super into him. He's like, you're the best linebacker we've ever seen at this school, Benny.
1: Yeah, I... Cause I mean, it's, if it's, it's middle weird. school football, who cares, but...
0: Yeah. There are yeah. times where I felt like it was supposed to have been high school, but... That's what happens when you have nerds and people who don't grow up in these situations watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're calling you a nerd, Mark Millar. And also Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Ben was there to protect Reed, and Reed helped by tutoring him. The Richards were also big fans of Ben Grimm, because Reed was reclusive. And I I feel like... He's being written here with autistic qualities, but it's never actually explicit, and it's never really defined on whether that's the case, or if he's just incredibly shy. They are both probably watching too much Big Bang Theory. <sighs> uh, but yeah, Reed did not have any good soft skills, and so he would deconstruct things. He started developing a portal to another dimension. That was a layer on top of ours and started sending things through, mostly toys, partially because he wanted to escape.
1: Reed ended up showing his teleporter, which grabbed the attention of Willie Lumpkin of the Mainland Technology Development Agency, who is no longer a postman in this series, which ends up offering Reed the Richards a ton of money if Reed can attend the program at the Baxter Building.
0: Which is an interesting callback to the Ultimate Iron Man series. Mm Mm-hmm as well like i wonder if this think tank was one of those things that people knew about but it was just very exclusive or how that works
1: yeah there he meets professor storm his daughter sue son johnny and their own portal to the end zone and the toys that reed had been sending time passes and under the tutelage of dr arthur molkovic uh, Sue and Reed have continued to work closely, though they're enigmatic figures like Victor Van Dam. Reed is still trying to work on the teleportation, but he's got stress problems from not perfecting that. His family has ostracized him, and he comes in to find Victor working on his formulas. When he looks at them, though, he sees Victor caught things he didn't, and they often work, uh, and offers to work together. Uh, Molkvik meanwhile, is fired by General Ross because he's been continuing his experiment to create life, and says he knew that that was going to happen.
0: That he would get fired. Yeah, It's interesting, this version of Malectic, compared to the Ultimate one. Because this one is also just, like, super gross. Yeah. So, we then flash to the modern day, where the teleporter has been constructed out in the desert at a massive size. But Victor and Reed are arguing about the final formula that they are going to use. Johnny steals Reed away to tell him to basically ask out his sister. While Ben, Grim, has also come to visit... Uh, everyone is prepared as they are going to teleport an apple, the first organic matter that they've sent to Guantanamo Bay. But as they watch closely, the teleporter envelops the five figures as well. When the light clears, the five of them are gone. But Reed has reappeared as a elongated noodle man, whom the military tries to kill before he's able to communicate with them and get them to stop. And then the teleporter explodes... And Ben Grimm, now covered in rocks, wakes up in Mexico City.
1: Back at the teleporter, Reed tries to figure out what happened and discovers that Victor changed the coordinates at the last minute. Then get the call that Ben showed up and Johnny, meanwhile, wakes up at a hospital in France where he accidentally lights on fire and they reach out about it. Dr. Storm, meanwhile, still long-term coping with the loss of his wife, is trying to figure out what happened, but Reed is more concerned about the scientific implications. And meanwhile, Sue is woken up in the subterranean base of the Molkovic and his monsters. Back at the base, Johnny learns to activate his powers, while Reed tries to talk to Ben, who is reasonably unhappy. Sue, meanwhile, learns she can turn invisible by warping, warping light rays by projecting electromagnetic fields. Molkovic also explains that he thinks the teleporter realigned their consciousness, and this is part of the New Age along with his moloids and the uh, discover of the hollow earth and the remains of the Atlantean technology that he found, which also allowed him to access the Baxter building mainframe, which there are, which they are 1.4 miles underneath. Also, he's in love with Sue and kidnapped her when she appeared outside of Las Vegas. He goes on to show that everyone else that uh, that he's alive. And then he plans to go and rescue her brother, which he sends a giant monster to do.
0: Johnny ends up getting distracted by the giant monster that has appeared on the streets of New York city and melts through the window and then falls out of the window before discovering that he can fly. And he tries to fight the monster by himself. Ben decides to step in and try and make the best of his situation, become a hero and jumps down and is joined in the fight by Reed who turns into a ball and then wraps up the monster and tries to see if Johnny can throw fire, which Johnny can't. So Ben comes in and pummels the monster and none of them are entirely sure that the monster isn't Sue, but Ben's blow knocks it out, and the monster falls back down into the hole it came out of. But that is when the SWAT teams, which have arrived, should have been thinking that he's a mutant, but he turns out to be impervious to bullets, and Military General Talbot gets him to stop, and then the three decide to go down into the hole, where they find themselves surrounded by Moloids. They find Sue and Malefic. And Sue turns invisible to run back and greet them, and when she tells them what Malekvic was doing, he decides that he cannot trust her and tells them all to leave before wandering off. Reed is unsure if Malekvic also had a hand in them getting their powers. The Moloids then start to attack, and as Ben responds with his own brand of violence, the massive surveillance system and the caves begin to fall down, and Mole Man ends up falling into a pit. Sue learns that she can project force fields and is able to move them out of the hole through one of the force fields. They debrief with Dr. Storm, who explains that they will be taking over the Baxter building to study what they have learned from the accident. Sue says she is excited about her new life with Reed, and Reed and Sue decide that they need to try and find what happened to Victor next. I, I think it's, like, overall a much better... Fantastic Four origin than the Josh Trank story. Well, that wasn't hard, Luke. No, no. But I mean, it has enough of everything that you wanted to get. It yeah. It has a reason why they get their powers. It's got enough pseudoscience. And
1: everyone's like there. Sue Storm wasn't just caught by some outside blast that came through the portal.
0: Yeah, and like. Everything Sue's so hair remained
1: consistent
0: throughout. <laughs> uh, Thank you for that, Mr. Kubert. He was not supported by uh, now active accused creep Max Landis. Yes, in an attempt to try and keep on a friendship with a person who was already starting to ostracize him because of the reputation that he had gained for being mm-hmm. with women. Uh I don't think it's going to be controversial to say fuck Max Landis. He should go to jail. Maybe he will. Hopefully. But overall I think it's like a solid uh like reapproach to it. They do tie everything into the military on a level which is not my favorite thing for superheroes to do but it's not as much as like the Ultimates.
1: Yes. I don't know, with that type of super nerd school, it, it makes sense
0: to a extent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We then go to Ultimate Spider Man, numbers 54 through 59, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Arthur Bear and Scott Hanna, with colors by J.D. Smith, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. Aunt May goes to leave and visit her mom in Florida, which that's how young we know that Aunt May is. Mm hmm leaving Gwen and Peter home for a week with $300 between the two. Gwen immediately takes her half of the money, and while they give each other some space, news about the filming of a Spider-Man movie directed by Sam Raimi with producer Avi Arad comes on with Toby Maguire playing Spider-Man. And Peter, uh, hearing this news, pulls a door off the wall, and Gwen is still having issues because you know what Spider-Man did, Devin? I think he killed her dad. I think he killed her dad, too. But the important question is, listeners, what do you think? Do you think Spider-Man killed her dad? Send Devin a
1: message on Twitter. Uh, go say, on, yes, I'll wait. I think Spider-Man... What? Say, like, go on, I'll wait. We'll just keep mm-hmm. sitting here until you guys send in your
0: responses. Yes, Devin's Twitter is at Fred Ovet. That's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. Do you think he killed Gwyn's dad? 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 We got time, a whole lot of vamping time, a whole lot of Twitter time to send that note now. Do you think he killed Gwyn's dad? Okay. Uh, my timer is saying that everybody who's actually going to do this has sent in their message. Thank you. I can't wait for Devin to be like, why are all these people sending me messages? Well, I would know, because I'm here. Mm Mm-hmm. Also at school, Kenny Kong decides that he wants to try and get into the movie as an extra, and Mary Jane is still grounded for running away. That makes sense. Because of Venom times. Yep. I mean, she did run away. She did run away. And her dad is awful. And her dad is the worst. I forget if I mentioned on the show how I tried to be an extra for the third Nolan Batman movie. Is that the one where you weren't tough or buff enough? And I was not enough of a bystander, but I still get emails from that goddamn production company. Because oh, I essentially need to like, go to them physically and say, Hey, take me off of your mailing list. I don't want to be represented by you agency and so i just started sending everybody from that email into my spam folder nice also it was great going down to pittsburgh for college and seeing armed terrorists with guns oh i bet
1: on the set though as toby is having issue peter shows up as spider-man and shows up to criticize them for all for making this movie without his permission but they explain that he's a public figure so suck it they start asking him questions and he tells them to pay him, and they say that they will if he'll take off his mask, which he refuses to do, and swings off having been filmed the entire time. I do think it was like fun and interesting that they actually did like real life figures
0: for this one. Mm-hmm. Also, I think that it's interesting that they're making this Spider-Man movie after Toby Maguire was in Sea Biscuit. I mean, what would have made them think that he was a bankable enough star? If he didn't have Spider Man, ah, fair. Oh, Sea Biscuit. Did you see Sea Luke? Yeah,
1: I saw Sea Biscuit.
0: And you know who did the theme song for Sea Biscuit? No, or, uh, the music for it. No, who, Luke? Uh it's the "You Got a Friend in Me" guy. Oh, it's Andy something. Randy Newman.
1: Randy Newman. Randy
0: Newman. Yeah, yeah, he did the music and. There's a really good pollen storm bit about how it doesn't sound like normal Randy Newman music. And so they made the Randy Newman versions of a lot of theme songs.
1: Nice. At the raft though, Doc Ock is told about the Spider-Man movie and learns that his ex-wife is a consultant and is talking about him. Doc Ock starts to get pissy, realizes he's able to do even more remotely con- and is able to do even more and remotely controls his arms and uses them to start moving towards him eventually reaching him in prison where he causes a breakout, and then Dr. Ock kills a man to take over his home as his new base.
0: I do also like that we eventually find out about Cher Osborne, Mm Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know if she comes back, but it's, like, just a nice weird detail. Yeah. So, Kenny Collin gets cast in the movie for one line. Look out, radioactive man! That's good, though. That means that they pay him, like, significantly more. Oh, yeah. And Gwen is still upset about Spider-Man and this whole Spider-Man craze. Mary, Jane, and Peter go to talk to her. And she's still upset about the fake Spider-Man still being a Spider-Man. And goes off on how it's been a weighing on her since her father was killed by Spider-Man. And Octavius, who is talking to his tentacles now, is ready to keep things low-key for the time being. Avoiding Peter and his ex-wife, who he knows will be under watch by S.H.I.E.L.D. Until Rosalita shows up on TV to talk about him and Gwyn, coming home, notices that she is already under surveillance. Spider-Man returns to the set to watch Bruce Campbell as Mysterio, which is when a PA with connections to the government finds out that Doc Ock escaped, and that the government is keeping it quiet, which is when Doc Ock shows up on the set and runs into Spider-Man, which causes all of the security around Gwyn to leave. Spider-Man and Ock get into a big brawl, and Oc has Peter on the ropes until Leroy, a Spider-Man stunt double, attacks him, allowing Peter to get the upper hand. Nice inadvertent thing where we have another black Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And Peter's like, whoa,
1: what's this? Anyone could be under the mask, Spider-Man. Also, I like that we had Bruce Campbell as Mysterio, which sadly
0: the world never got to see. What if Bruce Campbell still shows up as Mysterio in Far From Home? Oh, God, that would be the best. (laughs) You thought I was Jake Gyllenhaal, attractive man? No, I'm much more attractive man than Bruce Campbell. Exactly.
1: Well, I keep talking about the multiverse because it was Tom Holland said that he would love to do a Spider-Man movie with Andrew Garfield and Toby. Mm -hmm. It's like, yes, then we could actually have Bruce come back in. Also, remember that time for this past week for like a couple hours where we all thought that they were making a Spider Man 4 comic?
0: Oh, yeah. And then it wasn't. Yeah. It was just nepotism.
1: Well, JJ Abrams is also writing it. I'm interested in it.
0: Yeah, but it, it sounds more like his son is doing a lot of it, though his son did say that he realizes that he is having a lot of privilege. And also he pointed out that his dad never killed anybody with a helicopter. Bam. Max fucking
1: Landis. Bam. Tainting the Twilight Zone movie forever. (laughs) Yeah. Poor Mr. Spielberg has to have his name still attached to that shit. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: MJ meanwhile goes to visit Gwen to tell her that she is no longer grounded because her mom kicked out her dad. But when she hears Peter, isn't yay. Ar- yay! And when she hears Peter isn't around, they turn on the TV and she sees Spider Man is now fighting Ock in the Lincoln Tunnel. She runs off and Gwen becomes suspicious because yes, Gwen, now is the time for you to have figured it out. During the tunnel fight, Peter gets distracted by someone else filming him without permission, and Doc Ock knocks him out, and when he wakes up, he is on a plane. Ock punches him around a bit more, reveals he has the web spinners, and plans to ransom Peter if needed, but ultimately, he plans to just kill him that night.
0: Octavius explains that as S.H.I.E.L.D. had started to come in near the tunnel, he sent the cameraman, who he dressed like him, out with the tentacles, which caused a distraction. The man with the camera got shot. The arms destroyed police cars. And Octavius, meanwhile, in a car, drove to the airfield where he hijacked the private jet. As they start to near their destination, the pilot shifts the plane, taking Oct by surprise and allowing Peter to escape. Meanwhile, back at New York, Gwen, suspicious of where Peter is because it is now very late at night, breaks into the chest and finds the Spider-Man costume. (sighs)
1: We also, I, I love how Doc Ock takes off Peter's mask as he's driving because he's like, yes, this will make everyone less suspicious of me. The unconscious teen in my car seat. This makes this look way better. Also, can we talk about how much I love Doc Ock's glasses, Luke? They are very good glasses. They're like the most on-point, like mid-2000s-like style.
0: I mean, I I'd, I'd get glasses like that.
1: As they land... Uh, Ock plans to potentially fight the, or to potentially kill the pilot, but Peter is actually just hiding in the plane. He he starts wailing on Ock with the tentacles before trying to establish where he is, realizing he is somewhere in Latin America. But he finishes knocking Ock out. The police show up, informing him he is in Brazil, and he tries to explain the situation. But Peter wants to get home, so he sneaks onto another plane headed to Atlanta. So he finds a box headed to Newark and hides in that escaping in New Jersey as Aunt May is uh, returning from Florida and he has to Ferris his way home, arriving just before Aunt May, only to wind up with Gwen Stacy pointing a gun at him.
0: Also, I would like to make a point that I do like that they gave Aunt May that runway of about a week, because a flight from JFK Airport in New York City to... I just put in Brasilia, the capital of Brazil. Mm-hmm. Uh, an airport there is t- uh, almost thirteen hours. So Yay. if he then, uh, yeah. So then, if he flew from Brasilia to Atlanta, and that that would be another about twelve hours, and then from Atlanta to Newark airport, uh, that'd be another. About two hours and change, assuming that everything gets right. Yeah, I mean that's about three days of travel time, at least. I mean it's closer to two, but we never really deal with layovers or that sort of thing. Yeah. Multiversal Q doing math for you. As always,
1: it may arrive home seconds later. So Peter disarms Gwen, and he tries to hushly explain what happened, apologizing to her and explaining he needs her to keep the secret. She runs out and Peter goes to visit her. Uh, she notices Peter's jaw that got messed up when Ock pulled out a tooth on the plane since it's now infected. And then he goes to crash. MJ comes to visit and they catch up with the video of the fight leaking and Ock falling into S.H.I.E.L.D. custody again, along with the news about Spider-Man sneaking home. Peter explains to MJ that Gwen found out and Gwen returns and apologizes and explains that she finally got to process it and how she understands who that why Peter is such a flake. Occam meanwhile is forced to watch us. Nick Fury melts his tentacles down into a slag in front of him just for fun. And four months later, the Spider-Man movie comes out with a major box office opening and Peter's jealous because now Kong is a big star. The end.
0: I, I feel like it's a really strong story. There's also some things that I think will probably come back, like Ak pulling out that tooth, I think, could potentially be relevant. I don't remember if it was or not. I mean, I don't remember how, like, the Ultimate Clone stuff starts, but it could be. Oh, it could be. It could be relevant. Yeah. But uh, do you know what people have to look forward to next time, Devin?
1: I don't, Luke. I did not read. Neither the thing. do I. <laughs>
0: uh, next time we got some Ultimate X Men, uh, forty through forty-five. That is going to be. Oh, uh... oh, new mutants. We're getting some new mutants. Dope and then also we're the here to provide fantasy.
1: we're here to provide new mutants for you because fox never will
0: i thought it's still supposed to come out
1: i well, do keep saying that but how many times has it been pushed back now luke
0: well when is it supposed to come out now new mutants sometime next year i think no it's still set for august 2nd they just have no advertising for it uh,
1: I think it's like uh, been low-key pushback though
0: well uh, Collider is saying that it's been pushed back again New Moons into... is set to be
1: released in the United States on April 3rd,
0: 2020 yeah, Google, fix your formula online I I just want to see my New Mutant boys alright, well and the cast is so good I know And, like, they're going to just keep getting into bigger and better things.
1: I mean, they're not... Let's be real, they're not making a sequel.
0: Now, Devin, are you ready for a flash-forward to the future? Sure. When that movie comes out, that is when we will be covering Ultimates 3. Damn. Yeah. Wow, that is depressing. Um, but yeah... Let's get on to ranking. Uh, both of the stories this week are pretty good. I mean, the Fantastic Four, I'd say, is a really strong start. Mm-hmm. Like, I think except for Ultimate Spider-Man, it's probably the best first arc. Because there's nothing that I can say that's like, this didn't age well. Yeah. Um, how do you feel? I I think it's better than Ultimate War i would agree and right above that is ultimate spider-man power and responsibility i would not say it's as good as that so our new number nine is ultimate fantastic four numbers one through six the fantastic we also have ultimate spider-man volume one numbers 54 through 59 hollywood i i gotta say like the the book has on like oh okay well uh, Peter's all going to be on this plane and that's going to be, like, the big crux of the arc and then, I guess, getting home. And then you flip the page and it's like, oh, no, Gwen fucking found out that he is Spider-Man. Um, this this escalated. Oh,
1: lot.
0: 100%. Like, I don't know if this is better than Public Scrutiny, the uh, arc where uh, Peter Parker's Spider-Man kills Gwen's father. Honestly, I say it would say it is. Uh, you would say it's... I mean, this does have like a lot more mm-hmm. of all Spider-Man. So this is our new so. number one. Alright. So our new number one is Hollywood. We got to read some we good did. comics this week, Devin. Which... Going forward will be a blessing. <laughs> we we got to make more sacrifices.
1: Take some hits for the team.
0: Yep, yeah. yep, yep. I yep, mean, yep, this yep, book, yep, Luke. Yep.
1: Let's be real; it had Peter Parker dressed up in a Santa hat and Hello Kitty shirt. So, mm-hmm. pretty great.
0: Where is that costume in R- Spider-Man right? video games, guys?
1: Where is my variant?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Oh, I'm getting banged on something. I love when that happens. Oh, yeah, I was getting messaged because I got lucky friends with someone else in Pokemon Go. Oh, nice. I've had like three of those in three days. It's nice. Because last night I went to baseball. And you know what? What? (laughs) It was a brutal game. Uh, The Clippers as the Valeros for Latin Appreciation Friday Nights, uh, they ended up winning 14-0. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first inning took like a half hour. It was so awful. And not even like the full first inning, but like the first half of that inning, the top of the first inning, because the pitcher that the other team had was very bad at his job. Uh, he ended up, like, I think overall in the night he walked four people because he hit them with the baseballs. Dang. Like when yeah, when he hit the uh first person, that person was doing the reasonable baseball thing where he just kept trying to like catch him when he was slightly off base because you want to get that uh like step advantage. Mm-hmm. And so Four separate times and instead of pitching baseball well. The pitcher tried to catch the guy off bat. He had the entire stadium booing him. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Like that is some video game baseball shit. Uh, that, but yeah. That's painful. <laughs> yeah. Uh but, you know, it's not painful, Devin. What, Luke? Reaching out to us to send us questions about the Ultimate Universe. So, Devin, if people wanted to reach out to you, and if they think that Spider-Man Peter Parker killed Gwen Stacy's dad, uh, where can they find Oh, you? you can
1: find me online at
0: Fred Offette. That's F-R-U-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And, Luke, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Coltragbits, K-O-L-T-R-E-G. You can find both of us on the Exod Podcast where next week uh we are going to be having our Cliff Steel special, which oh, Devin is not in that one. It's our Doom Patrol special, we have a special guest. Uh but yeah. Multiversal Q slash ultiversal Q is a weekly podcast. You can find us on Twitter at multiversal q. Uh, We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, SoundCloud, Ask Jeeves, Goblin, Ghoul, A Zombie, A Demon with a No Conscience. Uh, All those places. Make sure to check out the website for uh, updated news, image galleries. Um, Make sure to check out XavierFiles.com for all of your latest X-Men content. Uh, He's got a 100 episode coming up, and I there's going to be a special guest. Is it me? I don't know. I don't think you hang out with him enough to get that. Is it me? I don't know. I don't think you hang out with him enough to get that. That's fair. Oh, great
1: news. Could it possibly be Benjamin? Probably. What? It's like great news. As we were talking about everyone's what? favorite handsome man, Bruce Campbell, it's apparently his birthday today happy birthday the chin nice
0: bruce all right well i need to go and get out walking and do some pokemon's go but Devin, it's been a good week listeners it's been a good week it has and next week we're going to have a special tie-in to spider-man far from home for you as we get bollywood with spider-man india catch you on the flip mode. Peace.